Hi guys and welcome to the first personal related episode of Hashtag The Life of a Surveyor. And I've been thinking about this as I, right, I need to add some personal elements to it because people are wanting to hear more personal stuff about me and they're getting bored of the property related stuff and I didn't know where to start because, I mean, what is there to, how can you talk about yourself into a microphone? So it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit weird, but I have done it and hopefully this segment works and people enjoy it so we'll give it a try uh, if people don't like it give me some feedback and we won't do it again we'll stick to the property side of things and if people do like it we'll do some more so the personal stuff i thought i'd actually name pr hashtag the number of weeks we're in so the pr stands for personal reflections hey who would have thought it i'm very creative not um, I kind of got this idea from Stephen Bartlett, who I think is an amazing inspiration for a lot of people and is definitely an inspiration for me. For those of you who don't know who Stephen Bartlett is, he is a young entrepreneur, the youngest millionaire to join Dragon's Den this week. So he's the youngest uh, dragon on the show. But I was going to say about him, he has risen up from the ground up. He came from humble backgrounds. He left home, he went to university, left at the first lecture and decided to start a business after some consideration. And now he has a multi-million pound business at the age of 28. For some people, that is a dream come true. And I think having seen him at one of his talks, he's literally a genuine, genuine guy. And it's, it's just inspirational to hear his story, how he's worked his way up and how it's all worked out. And he's got a podcast, The Diary of a CEO. And I've started listening to that. I'm, I'm, I'm binging on that at the moment. And I learn something from every episode. And, you know, it, that's what's kind of prompted me to do this. He does it in sat in his room or in the box room or under the stairs and in random places and just just comes out with his thoughts. And I thought that was really good. A, because it's therapeutic and it's good not to keep things in and take things out of your mind and speak about it. So it's helpful from a mindfulness sense. And also you're sharing your thoughts with others. And when me and my mate Nelson get together, this is what we do. We might not speak for weeks, months on end, but when we do meet, we start talking about random stuff, absolutely random. None of it's planned and none of it's connected in any way, but we end up learning something from one another. And that's one thing I really like about our friendship is that no matter how long it's been, we don't talk or we've been busy, but it, it just, we just seem, it just seems like when we do eventually come together, it feels like we're just carrying on the conversation from the last time we got together. So I think that's really good. And I think if I can do that on this podcast, that will hopefully be helpful to one of you listening. So that's going to be my goal in this sort of personal bit. Obviously the property side of things is to try and sort of help you guys teach you guys impart my knowledge for what it's worth um but this is the sort of personal side of things and my view on life really because after all it is hashtag the life of a surveyor so it only makes sense for me to talk about my life as well so without further ado and I nicked that little line from uh, the diary of a CEO, but I shouldn't have. Um, so it's because I've been listening to it so much. That's what's in my head. But no, seriously, let, let's crack on with this podcast because I'm, I'm quite excited to get going with this and see how it turns out. 
So to start off, I would like to wish everyone a very happy new year. So I did start recording this originally back in 2021, sort of mid-December. And then Christmas came along and the Christmas festive break came along and there was a lot of food and drink involved and it just turned into um, a massive feast and just slobbing around the house. So the podcast kind of took a backseat for a couple of weeks. Fast forward a few weeks and now we're into the new year. Date of recording is the 7th of January. So we're a week into 2022. And I was talking to my manager about this today saying, I don't quite know when you carry on saying Happy New Year to people. Is it sort of obviously the first few days of the new year, you start wishing people Happy New Year because you haven't seen them, you haven't met them, but then in your emails and stuff, I, mean, I tend to forget who I've wished a Happy New Year and who I haven't. So I tend to keep putting Happy New Year to start the email off to whoever I'm writing to. And then I just kind of get into that habit. And then it's about a week, two weeks later, where I'm like, right, is that enough of wishing people Happy New Year? When, when do you stop? What is there an actual date that you should stop? Is three days into the year enough? Because is that new enough for a new year? Um, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Drop me a message. Drop me a note on social media. I'll put up a poll on social media as well, so you'll be able to check that out and and drop drop your votes in that. But yeah, it's when do you stop saying that as a salutation, as a greeting? And that's another one of those things. When I'm writing emails, I don't like it when people are really flowery and just write a long intro like, "Hi, I hope you're well. How was your weekend? How was your day? I hope work is well." Hope your wife and kids are well, blah, blah, blah. And it's been a long time we haven't spoken. Just get to the point. Come on, I don't really have time to be listening to or reading all this flowery stuff. Even with calls, I don't really like it when people are like, oh, it's been a long time. How have you been? What's been happening? Like, what do you want? Like, just come on, tell me, what do you want? Because you've obviously called for a reason. And that's one of the things I've learned. People. I, I can tell who has called for a reason and who has called to genuinely check up. And I think that that's kind of a good tie into what I really want to talk about in this episode. So New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really do resolutions because, yeah, December 31st comes along and you're like, yeah, this is going to be a resolution for this year, next year, blah, 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 blah. A week into the new year, you forget about it. Like, what was your resolution? Yeah, a week, two weeks into new, you've forgotten about it. And there, there was actually there was a there was an interesting question on a quiz show I was watching the other day, and the question was, in which month do people give up on their New Year's resolution? January, February, or March? And I genuinely thought it would be February because you try it for a month at least. You try whatever for a month at least, right? Going to the gym, giving up a certain food, stopping drinking, stopping eating meat or stopping going out or yeah, something. So you'd think you'd give it a go for a month, a solid month at least, and then give up in Feb, right? Wrong. The answer was January. People give up in the second week of January on their New Year's resolutions most of the time. And I was quite astounded by that. I, I couldn't believe it when I read that. And if it was me on that show, I would have said February as well. And I would have lost a hell of a lot of money. So, yeah, I don't think I'll be going on quiz shows anytime soon. But 
New Year's resolutions. I mean, do you guys do New Year's resolutions? Do you stick to New Year's resolutions? Let me know. Again, I'll put it on social media. I'll do a poll. Drop me a note. Yeah, New Year's resolutions. I mean, for me, I haven't got a New Year's resolution per se. It's a long-standing goal that I've wanted to achieve and I haven't achieved to date. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed to say I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve. Because that just gives me the motivation to keep going until I do achieve it. And I think I'm one of those people. And I think that's, for me, I think that's one of my strengths, but also one of my weaknesses. The strength, because I'm very focused and goal orientated. So I know what I want and I don't rest until I get it. But on the flip side, that can be a bit annoying because I will keep going no matter what. No matter what cost, no matter what it affects, you know, it could affect finances, relations. I will get what I want to go out and get. So it could be a blessing. It could be a lesson. My New Year's resolution slash goal, I'm happy to share. It is uh, something that I'm passionate about and I've been wanting to do for a while, but it's also very expensive, which is why it's taken me so long to achieve it. And it's to get my pilot's license, my helicopter pilot's license. And I've been doing lessons here and there, and I've got a couple of hours on the clock, but it is expensive. So yeah, I want to get to achieving my license, but I've also got to balance it out with other things happening in my life. I, at this stage, I can't afford it right now, but over the next year or two, I will get there. But because I'm sort of focused on that and goal orientated, I can plan for that. So I've budgeted some money aside to save, and that will go solely towards the um, helicopter lessons. That's, that's one of my goals. I want to get my pilot's license, my helicopter pilot's license this year or next year. So I've not said it's going to be this year and this year only and I've got to achieve in a year. I, don't, I know that's not realistic. And sometimes you have to be realistic because there'll be people that say, oh, I need to get fit because next year I'm going to run a marathon. Well, yeah, great. You know, the idea is great. The thought process is there. The motivation is there. Great. But if you're like someone like me who's really unhealthy, not very fit, and has no chance in hell in running a full-blown marathon, it ain't going to happen in a year. Now, you can try and condense that down and say, right, I'm going to run a 5K or I'm going to run a 10K, right? And then build yourself up slowly and then say in two years' time or three years' time, you get to that marathon stage so you start off with running 5k you run a 10k you run a half marathon and then you go for the marathon it's not an easy thing a marathon running a marathon i mean great athletes struggle doing that it's a great thing to do and you know if you're doing it for charity even better but and you know for yourself as well it's great it's a great thing to sort of aim for and train for and get into but at the same time you've got to be realistic I think when you're setting resolutions and goals and stuff, you need to be a bit more realistic. Is it achievable? Do I need to tweak my resolution or goal to try and make it achievable? And do I need to change the deadline or timeline in which it needs to be achieved in? Have a little thing before you start set, you know, people come out with all sorts at, at New Year's. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then say in January, mid-January, they'll be like, oh, I can't do it. And they'll just give up, which is not right. To, to have this resolution goal, do it but make it realistic, make it achievable. Because when you do get to that achievement, you will feel such a sense of achievement and relief that you've actually got there and you've done it. Yeah, it's taken you a lot longer than you wanted to and you know it didn't work out, there were a few hurdles along the way, but you've done it. 
right? And then if you're, if you're breaking it down into chunk sizes, oh, let's use the marathon example again. You run the 5K, great, that's an achievement, you'll feel good. Then you boost it up to 10K, you've doubled what you've achieved. Amazing, you got up to a half marathon, great. And then from the half, again, you'll double it to the full marathon. When you do that, you will be so boosted, so boosted, and you will feel such a sense of achievement. And it's just an unbelievable feeling when you do achieve what you set out to achieve. It's great. It's so good. I mean, this kind of links into my next bit, which I was going to talk about, which is kind of linked to the new year, new me stuff and health and fitness and everything. It's your health. Now, for those of you that know me on a personal level, you'll know that I've always been that guy who has takeaways, who's lazy, doesn't walk, doesn't run, only moves around when he has to, take the car wherever you go. I don't do manual labour, I don't do hiking, outdoors activities I'm not massively into. And for, for a good few years, I was the same. So from leaving university to, let's say, to mid-lockdown, that was me. I was a slob. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I was a slob because I was. And lockdown wasn't entirely helpful in that process either, because that made me feel even worse. And there was more takeaways because obviously there was no food in supermarkets. So the only other choice was takeaways. I and mean, there's only, only so much rice and pasta you can eat. So takeaways was my savior through the first and second lockdown and i was pretty much having takeaways every day sometimes twice a day and that is not a healthy lifestyle and then obviously with the work i do it's quite sedentary and it's a lockdown you're not allowed to go out anywhere so you're not getting any movement or anything you're not getting any fresh air no movement no nothing and that was taking a toll in my physical appearance and mentally too i was i was i wasn't liking where i was from a health perspective from a well-being perspective from a mental perspective and i decided to do something about it now i'm not one of these people that joins a gym and well, i have joined a gym um a few times actually and um i've never gone i think i went to the gym religiously for about a month back in uni which was god knows how long ago and that was it and even then i was just messing around with the equipment i didn't know what i was doing i was just there because gym was where everyone else hanged out so um yeah i was just there with the rest of them just hey we're at the gym yeah so yeah me and gym just don't go together i don't know if you've seen that meme where it goes from gym mcdonald's that's me in a nutshell i'd say i'm going to the gym but I end up in mcdonald's i mean there was this one time where i was out on a site visit for work and the tenant that I was seeing was a gym. It was the gym. So there's me all suited and booted with my um, with my uh, tablet and my phone and everything to do my inspection notebook, walking into a gym where everyone's doing their workouts and exercising and whatnot. And there's me in my three-piece suit, just walking in, looking around and doing my inspection, taking photos, obviously not getting pictures of people doing the workouts and stuff because, uh, you know, I'm not perfect or anything like that. So uh, that's one of the things I hate about my job is when there's people getting in the way. Like, I'm here to look at the bricks and water people. Can you get out of my way? But yeah, that, that was probably the only other time recently that I went into a gym was to do an inspection, fully dressed in a suit. So yeah, that's not good. 
But um, no, like I said, I've um, had an epiphany and I have turned over a new leaf and I've taken the plunge. I have now got a personal coach and it's not like a personal trainer who will hit the gym with you and sort of show you what you're doing and stuff. Kind of is, kind of isn't. But Nick, who's my coach, um, and I'll put a link into the blurb of this podcast and also on my social media so you can follow him. Um, Nick, I basically found him on Instagram while scrolling through and I think a couple of mutual friends were following him and I just saw his name pop up and the one thing I do like is tried and tested recommendations. That's one thing I'm really big on. I don't like going with people that have a big name or they're begging for your custom and stuff like that. I don't really like going for people for a service or for a product or whatever with people like that. It's the tried and tested testimonials that really do it for me. And Nick, what he did was pretty much have a before and after shot of a lot of his clients and seeing the transformation kind of stood out and I think that was the epiphany saying right I'm the before picture right now I want to be the after or close to it I need to get onto this so I reached out to Nick and he said right we'll have a little catch up find out what you want and you know not just from fitness but out of life and just in general and and see see where we go from there so we did that I had a catch up it was about 10-15 minute call I've never met this guy. He's never met me personally. It's all done over phone or WhatsApp or online on a video call, stuff like that. Right. And it's all done through apps. He basically said, right, what do you want? It's not, there's a set program and here you go. Just crack on with it. It's what do you want? And I said, look, I'm not happy with the way I look, the way I feel. My heart rate's going through the roof. That was at about 100, 120 beats per minute. And that was my resting heart rate. So that was definitely not good need to bring that down and generally just get fitter and a lot leaner because none of my clothes are fitting me either so I'm not going to buy a new wardrobe I'd rather spend money getting fit so that the clothes can fit <laughs> yeah I mean he said look it's entirely up to you there's no there's no pressure in no hard sales no nothing like that if you enjoy join if you don't but and I, I took the plunge I took the plunge and I'm, I'm usually quite skeptical about things like this because at the end of the day it's you as an individual that needs to put in the work it's not someone nagging at you then there was one thing that Nick said that stuck with me is, okay, other people have said you need to work out, you need to exercise more, it's not good for you, blah, 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 blah. But you don't listen to them. Maybe you need someone that's external or a third party, you don't know them, to start shouting at you and saying, get the fuck on, get a move on. Yeah? I took the plunge. And I, th I thought that was really good because he was being genuine. He was, he was being honest. Whatever he said, he was being honest. And I like that. So took the plunge and then sort of he got me introduced to a diet it's a calorie based diet you can eat what you want as long as it's within calories within reason and obviously getting your steps in staying hydrated and then it's a lifestyle thing as well so making sure you get enough sleep trying to de-stress stuff like that and just keeping mobile so I've been trying for the past 12 weeks to stick with this sort of regime his program and his advice and you know what? I didn't think it was really doing much up until I think it's about week eight, nine, ten, maybe. And I think it was like week ten or week twelve. He showed me a before and after of me, 
right? So I've got to check in with him every week and send him photos of how I look every week. And he basically sees the changes. Obviously, you log your weight and your measurements and your arms and thighs and chest and all that stuff every week as well. So you should be able to see it from the graphs that come out and see the difference. But the real difference I saw was when he showed me a before and after. And it shocked me because I didn't think it was doing anything. And I don't know whether that's because I look at myself in the mirror every morning. Yes, I'm one of those people that looks at themselves in the mirror every morning. But I, I, I couldn't see a difference sort of from a day-to-day -day sort of view. But when he put up the before picture of when I started with Nick and 10 weeks in, you can see a significant difference. And I was like, wow, I've not been putting in 100% effort. And Nick, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but even you know I'm not putting in 100% effort. And there's a long way to go. And I know we've talked about it and there's a game plan in place for me to get to that 100%. And that is what I'm going to be working on. But even without me putting 100% in, there's been a visible difference. And there's been a lot of people saying that I've lost weight and I look a lot healthier. And I feel a lot healthier as well. And then mentally as well, I'm a lot less stressed. You know, I'm getting more steps in. I'm more conscious about drinking water, staying hydrated. I'm doing all that stuff that I wasn't doing before. And it's good. It's put me in a decent place. But like I said, there's a long way to go still. So... It's not a sales pitch, it's not affiliated link or whatever that all these influencers do. It's genuine. I can, I can say hand on heart, having Nick's coaching behind me, showing me the way, supporting me throughout the day, the week, everything. He has made a big difference in the way I look, feel, I'm healthier, my heart rate's down to about 70 BPM, uh, which is one of the targets that I really wanted to get from sort of using Nick's coaching. So, you know, I've hit quite a few things, but there's still a long way to go. I'm still, yeah, I've still got a beer belly. I ain't going to lie about that. I've still got a beer belly. So I need to get rid of that. And, you know, having spoken to Nick in the last week, sort of looking at the year ahead, I said that those are my sort of goals. That's what I need to do. I need to get more disciplined with my training and my working out. I need to get... 10,000 steps in a day because at the moment I think I'm only doing about seven and a half thousand and then water as well I need to start drinking a lot more water than I'm doing now and you know even though I've not done all that as much I can still see a difference in me so if I keep this going hey who knows I'll have a six-pack by the end of the year not that I want one but you know I might do who knows um so yeah health and fitness I think it's it's really important and I didn't give it the importance that it deserves up until now so that's the sort of physical health side of things. But then the mental side of things, I think that's something that is still a very big stigma. And I think we should talk about that. Now, mental health is something that I didn't ever think I'd be talking to anyone about. And what kind of prompted me to do this segment was, again, an Instagram post that I saw. Now, I'm one of those people that wake up in the morning and scroll through Instagram. And it's usually memes, what people are doing, people's commutes, the usual stuff you see on Instagram, right? But there was this one post that kept flashing up on various people's Instagram stories and on their Facebook, um, Facebook on their um, Instagram posts. And it was to try and find an individual called DP. Now, DP is someone who i don't know personally but after reading about his post and his story and everyone else posting about him on instagram i feel i have a connection with him and i know it's weird and people are like what the hell are this guy's saying it for the hell of it and just trying to get sympathy no 
I don't know what it was, but his story was genuinely heart touching. Now, who was DP? Well, DP was someone who was a car enthusiast. He did a lot of car meets and stuff like that. Generally, a cheerful, joyful person to be around, and no one would know he was struck. He was suffering from depression, and it turns out he'd been suffering with depression for a long time now. And he's tried different methods to try and overcome it, and he never told anyone about it. No one that knew him on a personal level would ever have thought he was suffering from depression because he put it put on such a good face and such a good mask to hide it from everyone. And just going back to this Instagram post that I saw, it was everyone trying to find DP because he had posted on his Instagram, on his story or on his Instagram post, I'm not sure where it was, it was one of them, that he basically came out with it all. He said, look, I'm sorry guys, a lot of you won't know this, but I've been suffering with depression and it's gotten the better of me today. I've lost against my depression. And it was basically a post it was a suicide post. That was his suicide note. He was going to kill himself. And he put down that he's had a great life. He's enjoyed his life. Um, met wonderful people. He knows he's going to harm himself. He's trying to end his life. And he even went to the extent that he gave his phone password, passcode, on that post and said, whoever finds it, here's my passcode, find my family's details and give it to them. There's loads of good memories on there and stuff. And and yeah, that, that was kind of the gist of the post. That he was he was he was he was gonna end his life. And that was his final goodbye to everyone. And his family and friends had obviously seen it on his social media first thing in the morning and had started a manhunt to try and find DP and were really hoping that the power of social media could find him before he did something to harm himself, to hurt himself and that he could be saved. And hundreds, if not thousands of people reposted, retweeted, um, shared it and were getting leads as well. So it had a picture of his car his family shared his um, vehicle vehicle registration plate his photo where he might be heading his known connections etc etc and somehow some people did spot his car it turns out it was somewhere up in leeds and i don't know where he's from originally i want to say london but it might not be so they found his car heading towards leeds and everyone sort of, whoever was up in the leeds area were trying to find him find his car etc and and sort of come together to try and save him which was great i thought First thing I saw in the morning, I thought, I hope the power of social media saves this guy. And I think I even shared an Instagram story to that effect. I did say that. I really hoped that social media could save this guy, because how amazing would that be if everyone could get together and save one life? But unfortunately, someone did find his car, his car keys, his phone, his wallet, everything was in the car. But he was nowhere to be seen. So people did try looking for him again. Um, and then somehow someone discovered his body and it was too late um unfortunately it was too late and that was a gut-wrenching moment for me when i read it 
Um, it was one of his friends had posted, DP's now in a better place, rest in peace. And because I'd sort of followed it from, I want to say the start, but, you know, first thing in the morning, I saw that post, DP's note is missing when you find him. And that was about eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And I was following the stories throughout the day um, because I, I genuinely wanted this guy to be found. Um, and I think it was about 11, half 11, maybe noon that I read that message saying he's now taken his life. Um, he's in a better place. And within that morning, I don't know what it was, but I didn't feel good. And it kind of hit home that mental illness is not something that should be hidden and masked over. You know, if you've got a mental illness or if you're depressed, if you're suffering in any way, just talk to someone. It shouldn't get to that stage where you feel you have to take your own life. I don't think anyone should feel that compelled that they have to take their own life. And I know I've not been in that position to sort of justify it or, you know, see the other side of it. And I hope that never happens to anyone, let alone me. Don't want it to happen to anyone. Uh, I just, there's help out there. There's a lot of help out there. And I think people need to start appreciating that help and accepting that help rather than taking the easy way out. Now, not a lot of people will know this. And I, I think I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about it now. Before I was, I, I wouldn't really talk about it. I didn't want people to know that I was suffering from I don't know what it was. Was it depression? Mental, mental illness? I don't know what it was. But I was affected by the death of a loved one quite badly in 2014. And it was someone who was like a father figure to me. And his death came all of a sudden and it wasn't helped that i was the one that was doing cpr and trying to revive him when he had his heart attack um i think that was the bit that really affected me the most um that that whole process and i didn't know it affected me because Okay, we, he'd had his heart attack. I did CPR. Paramedics arrived. Um, paramedics worked on him for a long time in the house um, and they weren't able to sustain a, a heart rate that would be sufficient enough to move him so that he can get the care that he needs in hospital. The decision was made to take him to hospital, even though he wasn't in a good place to be moved so he was whipped away in a in an ambulance and um taken off to hospital to the cath lab uh which i'd never been in before but thanks to him i've now experienced that as well um and i as well as his family and everyone sort of followed suit behind 
um, in our own cars. Um, and that was a very painful drive. I remember just sort of trying to be behind the ambulance. Obviously, that was a sort of had his blues and twos on and was whipping through traffic. I couldn't do that because obviously I'm a law abiding citizen. I don't drive through traffic like an idiot. But um, yeah, trying to get to the hospital as quick as I can, but also remembering I've got to follow the law. <laughs> um that that was that was difficult and you know to this day i don't remember the drive there or the drive back to and from hospital um so i don't know if i ran through red lights cameras or whatever i don't remember it genuinely don't remember it so anyway we get to the hospital we're trying to find him we don't know where he's been taken and there's no one around it was, it was a strange it's i don't know if anyone knows this hammersmith hospital it's a strange building i mean you've got Wormwood Scrubs on one side, which is daunting enough, and then you've got the hospital, it's like an old building, it looks like it's haunted, and just massive long corridors, and just eerie, it's, I hate that place with a passion. But we get there, we're trying to find him, and no one knows where, where he is. And then, luckily, there was a paramedic passing by, and said, look, we're trying to find this person, he's come by ambulance, he's had a heart attack, we don't know where he is. Um, I said, oh, he's had a heart attack, he's probably going to be in the cath lab, said, where's that? It's like, right, you got to go here, 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 and here. And we start wandering around the hospital trying to find this blooming cath lab. <laughs> um, and we get there, and then obviously we met with the family and everyone, and we're like, right, we're just going to start operating on him to try and put, do a do a bypass surgery, emergency bypass surgery, and blah, blah, blah. So right, go in the waiting room, and we'll let you know. We sat there. I don't know how long it was. We sat there for a while. Um, and a a doctor comes in i think he was a doctor i don't think he was a nurse i think he was a doctor maybe a junior doctor i don't know but um he comes in and we're like how is he and his face just dropped and he said oh has no one been in to talk to you yet like, no what's going on so that was quite strange um and i said i'll just get someone to come in and explain what's happening um uh, just just give me a minute he goes off and find someone else and then that two, two or three doctors came in, I think. Um, I think they might have been the uh, consultants um, who were working on him. Um, and they said, we tried our best, but there's nothing we can do. He was in a poorly state when he got here and there wasn't, they weren't able to save him. Um, and I think when that first guy came in and he said, has no one come in to talk to you yet? Oh, I think I did accept at that point that we'd lost him. It was, it was a bit of a telltale sign. And, you know, these guys came in and just confirmed it. And I think we all just accepted it. And strangely, yeah, I felt it in my heart and stuff. Oh, I didn't cry. Even all the way building up to the funeral, I didn't cry. Even at the funeral, I didn't cry. Which was really strange because this guy was really close to me. I was really close to him. And you know, I've seen him every single day, almost for the duration of my life. And yet I can't shed a tear for him, even though he's dead. And it was only later I realized that that was the trauma that had affected me mentally. And my brain wasn't allowing me to express myself emotionally to grieve. I hadn't grieved for him. Um, no, I didn't grieve for him until I was driving to work one day and I had to pull over on the M3 where I just started bawling my eyes out. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I was bawling my eyes out. Um, 
And it was so bad that I had to call in sick and say, I've got, I've got to go back home. I'm really not feeling great. Um, and then I just sat, sort of parked up somewhere. I can't remember where I was, but I parked up somewhere. I just, just sat there crying. And then eventually went back home. But that really affected me. And a friend of mine said, maybe it's affected you mentally. Because, you know, after that, I was keeping myself to myself wasn't the same I was getting angry at a lot of things you know I was just wasn't wasn't doing much I, I just didn't feel good in myself didn't want to do anything um and it was probably because I hadn't grieved so a friend said that I should go and see a therapist and I thought I don't need a therapist I'm not going to open up to a therapist and it's just going to be a waste of time, waste of money, waste of resource, etc., etc. But begrudgingly, I thought, okay, let me give it a go. If it helps, it helps. Went to the therapist and explained everything. And he said, right, well, clearly it's still in your mind because you're able to relay the incident like it was yesterday. And you are still thinking about it. And it's still fresh in your mind. I said, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to forget this day because, you know, it's, you know, I can never forget that day. Um, even repeating and replaying that incident back to you guys now, I can still see it clear as day and I can still relive that moment, but I'm just not affected by it now because I've been to the therapist now. Um, and the first session I did with the therapist didn't help, didn't do nothing. And it was just a talking session, just opening up and stuff like that. And, um, yeah great okay thank you here's your money see you later didn't do anything and then i think a couple of months passed by and i was couldn't sleep and sort of being awoken randomly and i kept replaying the incident back in my head no matter where i was what i was doing it would just keep playing back back and back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth i thought right this isn't right i need to go see this guy again give it another shot so i went to see this guy a second time and he thought right okay well what happened on the first one did, did that not do any i said genuinely no he said right well a lot of the times the same sort of therapy methods don't work for everyone so this time round, he thought it would be a good idea to try hypnotherapy and i've never had hypnotherapy before so i was very unnerved by the idea of being hypnotized and god knows what he would do and it's just me and him in a room you know? <laughs> um but I thought, okay, we'll give it a go because I was suffering and it was impacting me quite a bit. Even though I didn't show it to a lot of people um, or talk about it to people, I was feeling it. So we tried doing some hypnotherapy and I think that did help a bit. And it took about, I want to say, five, six sessions of hypnotherapy before I'm at the stage I am now where I can talk about this openly and not get affected by it like i will go to sleep at night today i won't be up all night thinking about right i've spoken about it um it's going to replay in my head again 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 no I'll, I'll, I'll go to sleep because what he's managed to do is remap my thought process to say right something triggers in your mind to to go back to that incident in december 2014 and then you keep replaying the um the incident back and back and again in again in your mind what he's managed to do is when i think about the incident now i think about all the good times i've had 
with him instead. So that has helped me quite a bit. And it has worked. I, I can tell you for a fact that has worked because I don't, I don't keep replaying it in my mind. I'm, I'm able to crack on with my life and I've not had those sort of thoughts that I used to get back in 2015, 2016 uh, when I wasn't in a good place. And I haven't told a lot of people about this. And I think it's one of those things that when people are seeing therapists or have mental issues, it's, 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 it's almost like a taboo in society. People don't like talking about it. It's like, oh, whoa, this guy's messed up. He's fucked in the head. Well, not really, because I, I still managed to do everything I was doing. You know, 2014, I excelled in my job, my first job as a assistant surveyor. Managed to do that. Right. 2015, I managed to buy my first house and get a new job as an estate surveyor. So next level up. And then, you know, obviously now my career has progressed as well. And I'm as normal as normal can be. You know, the fact that I've gone through this, this mental illness, condition, phase, whatever you want to call it, hasn't changed me as a, well, it has changed me a bit, but I'm still a normal person. People were coming up to me, talking to me normally. I was communicating with them normally. It doesn't change my life or the way I lived life. It hasn't affected me to that stage that I've had to do something sort of significant to, to, to affect my life. I realized I needed help. I went out and found that help, accepted the help embrace that help and it has ended up i want to say recovering me is that the right word i don't know um but i'm in a better place now and i haven't got to that stage where i've gotten so depressed that it's affected my my lifestyle my my way of living my life it hasn't got to that stage and i'm really appreciative to anyone, God or people around me, that 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 therapist, um, my friends, my family, um, for for sort of letting me go through that and sort of deal with it my way in my own time. Um. So, yeah, I mean, mental health isn't a joke, and I think people do need to talk about it a lot more. And I urge anyone who is suffering from any sort of mental illness or, you know, just feeling down and just need someone to talk to. If you're feeling lonely, depressed, sad, you know, anxious, just talk to someone. I would say me, talk to me, but in all honesty, I don't think I'm in that place where I can support you to help you with your issues because I wouldn't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified or trained to be able to help you, but I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction. And if it's just a, a heart to heart you want to have and just need someone to listen to you, by all means, get in touch with me. I will listen to you. That's one of my traits that I love is I'm a good listener. Um, and anything you say to me is in confidence. I mean, People have said things to me over the years that, you know, I've probably forgotten about, but you know, they're like, oh, I told you this so many years ago and you still not told anyone. I'm like, well, you said it to me in confidence. I respect that. So if you do need someone to talk to, do reach out to me. If you need some further help, I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction, but you do need to be willing to accept that help and take that help and 
want to get away from that depression anxiety mindset and try and get through that stage and sort of go to the recovery stage to 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 overcome it but yeah i mean there's a lot of organizations out there that can help you and i'm more than happy to put you in touch with any one of them you know there's there's things out there like mind samaritans loads of organizations out there who are way more better placed to assist you and help you but um what i would say is if you need the help don't be afraid to seek the help and talk to someone even if it's just to say i'm not feeling right or something's going on in my mind and i want some help will you be there with me that's all it takes all right and let's take dp as an example one thing i didn't mention about his note was there are organizations to help he did put that in there he said don't do what i did don't don't take the easy way out talk to the organizations out there so he did put down different organizations that are available there for help so use dp as an example he lost his battle with mental illness don't be the next person and i think that's where i'm going to end it because that in itself says enough if you need help seek help don't be afraid to find help talk to someone